In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who justifies us so that we may live our lives justified. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a bit of a legend or maybe just a, a off quote from Martin Luther uh, that says that uh, Martin Luther once said that if he knew that the end of the world was coming tomorrow, that he would go out and plant an apple tree. Now, the evidence of that shows up in 1944 and never before that. And so the chances that Luther actually said those words are, well, probably pretty slim, but they do kind of fit with his theology. They, they fit with what he knew to be the Word of God. And after hearing that gospel lesson, you kind of wonder if Luther was sitting there listening to Jesus, if he was considering planting an apple tree. Because that gospel reading is, well... It's pretty grim, the whole idea of the world ending. And it's something that a lot of times we kind of hold off thinking about, and we kind of wonder what it's like one day when this world ends and how that will happen. Will it happen in a natural disaster, some kind of catastrophe that seems to come from the heavens, or will it be more of a man-made thing? Will there be missiles fired at from country to country, and will there be the end of the world coming that way? Or will it be the end of the world in some other way as Jesus arrives and declares the resurrection? And I suppose we kind of all wonder what that's going to be like one day, and depending on how we consider that, we we think, well, maybe I want to be a part of that resurrection, or well, or maybe I want to be a part of that last day, or well, maybe I don't, depending on what you think about it. And that whole sense of planting an apple tree, well, it, it seems to kind of grate with us. Yeah, I mean, if Luther really said that, maybe it was something that he, he did say and, and just remained hidden away in a letter of his until 1944. If that was something that he really did say, you kind of wonder, what would I do that? If I knew that the world was ending tomorrow, would I go out and plant an apple tree? And the chances are, well, probably not. Because you know that the world is going to end tomorrow. And so what is the point of planting an apple tree? That seems ridiculous, Luther. Why on earth would you do that? Because, well, for us, planting an apple tree has everything to do with getting apples out of it. For us, planting an apple tree means that I'm going to plant this tree, and it's at least going to grow up and be a bigger tree. And hopefully it grows up, and it becomes a bigger tree, and it starts bearing apples. And then we can take those apples, and we can eat those apples, or we can do other things with those apples. And that's what planting an apple tree is all about for us. It's all about this sense of, well, I want to gain something out of this. 
which is exactly kind of the problem that seems to be facing the Thessalonians. The people in Thessalonica that Paul is writing to here are people that are very interested in the way that the world is going to end. In fact, that comprises quite a bit of the letter that Paul, the letters that Paul writes to them. He's explaining to them what the end of the world is going to be like and how it's going to come and what has to be present and all of that. And they're very interested in this, much like the History Channel. Some of you have watched the History Channel. It's a good sign. Don't take their theology. There are people that are very interested. They're like, okay, what's it going to be like? How's it going to happen? And they have this sure belief that the end of the world is coming soon. The resurrection is coming soon. The day of the Lord, the Yom Yahweh in Hebrew, is coming soon. And because it's coming soon, they have decided to stop working. Because why would you work? Why would you plant an apple tree if you know that the world is going to end soon? And so what they have done is they have said, whatever, I've got enough savings. I'm just going to live off of my savings. I'm going to go into early retirement here. And I am going to sit there and I'm going to watch the History Channel. And do nothing else. And Paul is writing to them, saying, Stop it. Go go out and do stuff. What, What are you doing? Being idle. Because what's... Happening as your idol is you're becoming busybodies and and you're beginning to sin and, and all of these things are stacking up because you're waiting on the resurrection, which is a good thing and that we know is coming. But what you're doing with that knowledge is that you're letting life slip away. You're neglecting The joy that comes with planting the apple tree here. And we can kind of understand that. I I think we can especially understand that in terms of our vocations and in terms of what we are given to do. If we all of a sudden found out that the thing that you're working on right now, that that is going to result in utter failure and it is not going to work out or maybe Jesus is going to come and you're not going to see whatever that thing is come to fruition. Maybe that paper that you've been writing for all of four hours because it's due tomorrow. If you found out that Jesus was coming back before that class, you would probably say, I'm good. (laughs) Or maybe it's that project at work or whatever it is for you. If you found out that you weren't going to see the results of those things, well, you might be tempted to be like a Thessalonian might be tempted to say, well, that's okay, I don't need to work. I'm good. No apple tree for me. And the reason for that is probably because of this thing called justification. Now, I know that that's a big word. 
Justification basically means that uh, it's a way of justifying your existence. It's a way of, of saying that, well, this is the reason that I'm here. And so if you're an apple planter, you know that the reason that you're there is so that you can go out and you can plant apple trees. And that those apple trees then are going to grow up and they're going to bear more apples. And then they'll write songs about you. And say that you traveled around with a pot on your head. Because that's kind of what we want. We want to be justified. If we're going to go out and we're going to plant apples, well, we want to at least be sort of like Johnny Appleseed. We would love somebody to write a song about us. It'd be great. And the reason that we think it's so great is because Well, we're justified by that. We're not necessarily thinking, okay, if I plant this apple tree, well, then planting apple trees is a really good thing because apple trees, well, they give off oxygen, they they eat carbon dioxide, and they they put out oxygen, and that's good for everybody around us because we all have to breathe air even if you don't like apples. And they also, they, they bring apples, and you can eat apples if you like apples. If you don't like apples, well, then it's kind of another tree, and you go and you live in Florida, and you plant citrus. But at, at some level, you go, well, the reason that I do these things is to see the results. And the results, though, sometimes can actually be about the results. Or the results can be about you. And that's the problem. It's because Jesus said that the results should be about the results. In fact, he freed you up by saying that the results should be about the results. By saying that the results are not about you. Because the results aren't about you. That's what his death on the cross was all about. Was that you would no longer need to be chained to the results of your life. That what it will mean at the end of the world is already determined. That you are already justified. Not by the amount of apples that you have planted. Not by the amount of papers that you've written. Not by any of that. So that rather you can focus on the results rather than focusing upon yourself. Well, that's tough. It's really tough. In fact, as I was thinking about how tough that is, immediately three things came to mind for me. Yeah, I, I live in this building in a way. I, I come to work here, and uh, occasionally you all drop by. And it, it, it's an interesting thing because when you drop by, it, it's interesting what I feel is an appropriate thing for a pastor to be doing when you drop by. And there are three things that I feel, if I'm doing them and you drop by, I feel like, oh, I should stop that so that um, they can see me actually being busy. (laughs) 
Those three things for me are prayer, reading, and writing my sermon. If you drive by, I will at least be tempted to stop doing those things and start doing something that looks much busier. Because that way I can justify myself and justify being in this building and all of that. And so, oddly enough, the things that I choose to replace that with are the things that, A, I really kind of hate, and B, are really not quite as useful as any of those three things. They usually end up like, oh, I'm answering emails. I love answering emails. I don't. Or, oh, I'm looking through the mail. I hate mail. It's so funny. We have residents that live here, and they all get very excited about mail, and they bring it to my office sometimes, and I look at them with scorn. (laughs) Oh, thank you for bringing me the next copy of Christian News, that horrible newspaper. And yet those things seem busy to me. Those things are the things that I'm like, oh, well, I can justify myself because I'm doing email. Or I'm, because I'm, and maybe it's because they do hurt so much to do. So what are the things in, in your life? How do, how do you justify your existence? What are those things that you, you say, well, I'm going to do this because it makes me look really good? Or maybe not even really good. I'm going to do these things because they just make me look like an average human being. Well, we get wrapped up in those things. We get wrapped up in justifying ourselves to other people. And rather than living in the justification that God has won for us. There's this interesting thing that happened in my life. It happened right around my grandmother on my father's side died. Uh, we, we, I, I went to her funeral, and there at her funeral, um, uh, Grandma Winters was an a interesting person. Um, Grandma Winters was not very nice, especially at the end of her life. Um, uh, she's with Jesus now. All is taken care of. All is forgiven. All of that. But uh, legit. And and so we were there, and we were at the wake, and and, um, all of a sudden, uh, from out of the blue, it was just us and family, out of the blue, there was this guy that came in off of the street, and he said, "Um, can can I just approach the coffin real quick? And we had never seen this guy. We didn't know who he was, and um, he approached the coffin real quick, and um, he was there, and he said a few things that we couldn't hear. He knelt down and he prayed. He got up, turned around, walked out the door. And all of us went, what just happened? (laughs) Who was that guy? What did he say? You know, for me, that's a picture of maybe what our justification is like. We're there, dead, laying in the coffin. Our works don't matter anymore. Good or bad, they're done. But Jesus steps in to our viewing. 
He approaches our coffin. He says some words. He looks at us lovingly. And he pats the coffin a little bit. And he walks out. Everybody says, holy mackerel, who is that guy? He knows Jesus? I thought he was just this guy. But this guy who knows Jesus, well, that's a much bigger story. And that story is ours. We're justified not because of our works. We're justified not because of our sins or the lack of them. We're justified because Jesus deigned himself to come down to die upon a cross so that he could call himself our friend. And by that friendship, we are justified. So may you this week, no matter what you do, no matter what kind of work you are called to do, may you go into that work knowing that you are justified. And not work for your own justification, but work because of it. Amen.